You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, March the 16th in the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And what we've been doing on Wednesdays is analyzing a book of the Bible. And this time it's Proverbs. And we're going to be taking a look at Proverbs chapter 6. Now, I have said this a number of times already, but the book of Proverbs is God's message to us as to how to behave in this fallen world. Yes, there are negative consequences that occur when we sin. Sometimes we're unaware of the negative consequences, and that's what makes them even worse. But today we're going to be taking a look at how to not get into well, inappropriate relationships with our neighbor. And then we're going to be talking about the wisdom of God versus laziness. Now, Proverbs 6 is Solomon talking to his son, and this is part of his eighth address. He has nine addresses to his son. This is number eight. And it's actually broken up into four parts. We're going to do the first two parts uh, today, and God willing, the next two parts next week. So, taking a look at Proverbs 6, 1 to 5. And it can really be confusing. It's why you do need a pastor who is trained in theology to help get through some of these Bible verses. Because when you read them, they just don't seem to make too much sense. Uh, Verse 1, Proverbs 6. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger, if you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, Then do this, my son, and save yourself, for you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Okay, those are the first three verses. What do they mean? Very important question all the time with the Bible. You see, just by reading the English it's kind of hard to understand. It's like, well, if you're doing a good deed for your neighbor and you have made a promise to your neighbor, you can be snared in the words of your mouth and caught in the words of your mouth. And what you need to do is save yourself. Go to your neighbor, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Now, notice, it doesn't say why, but the Hebrew is much better because when those who knew the language of that time heard what Solomon was saying, they understood what we don't understand. So let's kind of go through it. My son, If you have put up security for your neighbor. Now, 
that's a way of saying if you have guaranteed your neighbor's debt. So your neighbor needs money, and you're going to guarantee to give money to your neighbor. But the reason you're doing it is so that you can make more money. Uh, for, for example, it's not at all unusual how interest rates are very, very high on a lot of MasterCard or Visa cards or American Express. The interest rate can be like 29%. And then if you miss a payment, sometimes it's up to $40. I, I got an email from a company that was going to give me $10,000, but the interest rate was 80%. Can you imagine that? In other words, I'd get $10,000, no questions asked, but I signed to pay interest of 80%, which of course is 8000 so a $10,000 debt would have cost me $18,000. I mean, even mortgages are way, way, way lower. Okay, uh, they're having some problem. For some reason, they're saying my line is breaking up. And so we're in Proverbs chapter 6. My son, it says, don't give a guarantee to your neighbor to pay off their debt and don't strike your hands with a stranger. To strike your hand with a stranger means that what you're going to be doing is giving them a amount of money and it's really because you think you can make money off of it. It's a legal way for taking care of the debts of someone else. Now, this is not talking against, for example, let's say you have a son or a daughter who's short on income. Maybe they lost their job or something. It's not wrong for a parent to loan them money there. It's not because the parent wants to make a lot of money from their children. They may not charge them any interest at all. They may just say, well, pay it back as you're able to. But this is clearly where you're giving a promise to pay back the money to a stranger who needs money. And therefore, verse 2 says, you will become snared in the words of your mouth. Uh, word for snare is trapped. You will become trapped in the words of your mouth and caught in the words of your mouth. And the word there is captured in the words of your mouth for your foolish behavior. See, this is what Proverbs is really all about. The distinction between those who follow Proverbs and those who don't is the distinction between wisdom and foolishness. Foolishness is simply indicating that, boy, I'm not going to follow the will of God. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that is foolish, 
not only because of the built-in negative consequences, but also because that's not the way that God operates the universe. So just like there are, as I've said this before, scientific laws like gravity, and you have to take them into account, so also there are laws in your dealing with integrity, in honesty, in the way that you are a good person. For example, in the book of Job, Job is said to be a righteous man. And what that means isn't that he's doing good works to get to heaven, but that people can trust him when they ask him to be put into a situation. And they make business deals with Job, and he keeps his word and doesn't cheat people. So that, that can be done by individuals uh, apart from their being righteous because of God's righteousness. So what do you do when you have attempted to make a lot of money by putting up your money for the debts of your neighbor? Verse 3, my son, save yourself, for you have fallen into the hands of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Now, that means you humble yourself. And what you do is you make a way to make sure that you're able to pay off the debt because you've already pledged yourself to do that. But you start working on that. In our culture, you may take an insurance policy that will end up paying off the debt that you owe. Or you may take another job in order to get sufficient funds. You plead urgently with your neighbor because give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. That means... Don't go to sleep on this because this is an important way of your life that's dealing in a way that is inappropriate. So once more, we have the book of Proverbs talking about how not to get involved with neighbors to a degree where you want to use the neighbor in order to make more money. Now... As I said, it's quite okay if you're not there for selfish reasons and want to help someone out. That's good. But when you owe money that your neighbor really owes and you made a pledge to pay for his debts, well, don't give your eyes any sleep or your eyelids slumber. Work on getting rid of that unnecessary debt through which you are trying to make money for yourself. Verse 5, uh, well, we have a metaphor here. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. 
Now, what's Solomon saying there? Well, the gazelle is a swift animal, and that's how the gazelle saves itself from the hand of the hunter. It's able to listen for the hunter and then can swiftly flee from the hand of the hunter like a bird can fly away from the hand of the fowler that's trying to put it to death, maybe for food or whatever. That's how you should uh, avoid these kinds of situations with a neighbor or a stranger because you got caught in the words of your own mouth by giving them a pledge. And it's important that that pledge be taken care of. So that's the first part of Proverbs chapter 6, talking about Solomon warning his son not to get involved with neighbor. Then we go on to the second part of this eighth address of Solomon to his son, and that's verses 6 to 11. He says, now he's talking to just not his son, but to anyone, go to the ant, A-N-T, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. So what's he talking about here? It's the difference between wisdom and foolishness. In this case, there are those who are foolish because they are sluggards. What's what's a sluggard? Well, we would use the word lazy bones. You, You see this every now and then in families, especially those who have wealth, and their son or their daughter, they end up getting a nice car. They don't have to get a job. They get money from their parents. They don't pay for their university. And anytime they need money, they just go to their parent. And guess what? They are lazy. Well, Solomon says, go to the ant, O lazy bones. Well, what he's illustrating is to be industrious in your life. God has given all of us certain gifts, and those gifts help us to understand what we are to do to help the neighbor. And unfortunately, lazy bones, they don't listen to that. Now, why is the ant mentioned? I've seen a lot of uh, YouTubes about different animals. One of the most interesting was was colony of various ants. You see hundreds of them uh, around a tree. And, of course, they have a queen ant that they're all taking care of. And what are they doing? Well, there doesn't seem to be any officer or ruler. And that's verse 7. The ant has no chief, has no officer or ruler. But, verse 8, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, in the summer, she's preparing food in order that the ants don't starve. But also, like a number of animals, they gather sustenance in the summer to keep it for the harvest. How many times have you seen a squirrel? He's digging a hole, and maybe he's putting a nut in it or something like that, preparing for the winter to come. That's an ant. They're always illustrious of industriousness in doing what is needed in order that they'll be able to eat during the winter. So verse 9 continues. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? So the word sluggard is used twice in verse 6 and verse 9. And it means lazy bones. Verse 9 continues, When will you arise from your sleep? In other words, when are you going to get up from your sleeping? Now, what Solomon is talking about here is how lazy bones often choose present, pleasant treasures rather than get prepared for future rewards. So they're more interested in the present, and therefore they don't work for the future. They don't work to take care of themselves. How long will you do that? And then verse 10 indicates their attitude. A little sleep? A little slumber? A little folding of the hands to rest. See, that's a lazy bone. And what will that lead to? Verse 11. And poverty will come upon you like a robber. And want like an armed man. In in other words, have you ever looked at any illustrations of people who win the lottery? Very few of them continue to be rich. Within a year or two, doesn't matter how much money they've won, they've lost it all. Uh, Maybe they've done gambling. Maybe they've bought items like a new house, and now they can't afford what a new house costs. In, In other words, lottery winners are those who often are lazy bones and not taking care. Now, I remember a pastor once telling me that if you bought a lottery ticket, and this was at a pastoral meeting, I've said this before, he said that is a sin. So I left the pastoral meeting, and I went and bought a lottery ticket, Then went to his church and showed it to him. And I said, what are you going to do about this? You said that this is a sin. I'm a pastor. Now, he didn't do anything about it. And I was making a point that a pastor should never call something a sin, that he will not use discipline. Like, for example, it is a sin to cheat on your wife. And if I went to the same pastor and I said, well, I have a mistress, then 
he should get a hold of the authorities in the church and have me removed from being a pastor. Now, there's no doubt that gambling and every week going and paying the lottery can be a mistake if you don't have the money. In fact, there was a Lutheran who recently committed suicide because she was so much into gambling that she had spent the money her husband and her had set aside for their children's education. And guess what? She lost it all and committed suicide. So there are definitely items that occur. It's a good example that when you go against the wisdom of God, poverty could come upon you like a robber and want, namely you need things and can't get them, like an armed man. That's Proverbs 6, verse 11. Now, just to show you that the author of Proverbs is also the author of the rest of the Bible. I make a distinction between the prophets and the apostles being the writers of the Bible, but the author is, of course, God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ being inspired by the apostles and prophets to write what God wants them to say. Now listen to Second Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning with verse 6, and see if this kind of fits with what Solomon is talking about, namely sluggards. Verse 6. Now, we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Now this is Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica. Where was Paul working so he could even pay for the food that was given to him by the church? He was a tent maker, and so he was not idle in that area. It was not because we do not have that right, namely to have food, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. He says, verse 10, 2 Thessalonians 10, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. 
that's really important so that even pastors can spend a lot of time in visiting shut-ins, preparing sermons, Bible studies, etc. Isn't that interesting? 2 Thessalonians 3 is very parallel to Proverbs chapter 6, 6 to 11, because it's the same author. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks so much for listening to Law and Gospel today. And tomorrow, we're going to take a look at once more what's happening in the United States on the part of those who are trying to give a proper witness. Be with us tomorrow, and we'll be with Wes Reimnitz. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.